I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's time to get inside the Giants home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to the special Friday edition of the Giants Little Podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. John Schmoke with you, our normal Friday show. Bob Papa has a chance to talk to Giants head coach Brian Dable. Lance Meadow with a closer look at the opponent this week. He talks to Zach Berman, who covers the Eagles for PHLY. And then... We'll lead off with my interview with Giants offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas. Now we welcome in Giants starting left tackle, Andrew Thomas. Andrew, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Let's start here with you personally. I know you obviously dealt with that hamstring injury earlier in the year. Then you had a little bit of a knee. You're no stranger, unfortunately, from kind of fighting through injuries over the course of the year. How's your body feeling and and how have, have those things held up over the course of the year? Yeah, definitely been a rough season this year just dealing with injuries. Um, Some stuff, you you know, you can't even prevent. Um, but I think I'm doing a good job of managing it, just trying to get all the treatment I can, trying to get good rest, stay on top of it. Um, but it's just part of the game. Um, obviously, you would rather not deal with that. But of course. It's playing offensive line. People going to follow you. Things going to happen. So just got to find a way to push through it. And that's what happened with your knee, which I'm sure it's similar to managing when you with kind of the ankle issues right in the feet. Hamstring's different. It's a muscle injury, right? Mm-hmm. How was that different compared to, to some of like the joint stuff that you did deal with in years prior? Yeah, that was... I think tougher just because um, it's harder to, to manage, you know, when you have a muscle injury like that, um, especially like as deep as it was and the the bleeding and stuff that happened with it. Um, and it's with hamstrings, it's really hard because as offensive linemen, like people always say like, oh, yeah, you don't have to run that much. But every play, if it's a run block, I'm running off the ball. I'm trying to move somebody that's 300 some pounds. You have to explode off exactly. that leg, right? And then yeah. when, when I'm pass blocking, like to anchor, you're using all that in your lower your, – um, posterior chain like all that you know what yeah. i'm saying trying to trying to stop someone so it was tough dealing with that um it just took time to heal um so i'm feeling better now so just trying to you know keep going and that's the thing like you can fight through the pain a little bit with a knee or an ankle right yeah. and manage it but the hamstring you kind of just have to let the muscle heal and until it's healed there's really nothing you can do right yeah it's tough so with you know joint injuries or like you know minor sprains like in your knee and stuff like that like it usually just feels painful like constantly but you can like deal with it but you like, can brace it right. and tape it and stuff but, like, like that with the hamstring is like it could be feeling great and you know you're practicing and you do one little thing and it tweaks and it's just like the whole thing is shut down you open uh, it up right and right. then all of a sudden exactly. it's gone so, yeah um and that's a hard feeling because you don't know like and when people say like it's day-to-day it really is 
because um, like you can try to go out there. Like I, there are a few games I, you know, even when I heard it originally, like I'm out there against Dallas, and you can tell like I'm trying to play with it, but like I'm not as functional as I would like to be. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. <laughs> Do you feel like now, as you've managed this stuff, are you, do you feel like you've now hit your stride? You've been back on the field for a while now. Where obviously, you, to your point, you're still managing, mm-hmm. but have you kind of figured out how to manage it now, where you're still able to play at a high level? Yeah, I think I'm I'm able to to manage it a lot better now. Um, obviously, um, I'm always looking to clean up things and, and play better. Of course, um, but I think I'm you know not as focused on I can I can focus on my technique and that's a good sign whenever you're you're worried about you know what's hurting then you're probably not worried about what your job is so um I think I'm you know coming along with that do you think you've taken you know because obviously you've hit a very high level of yeah. play you've mm-hmm. all pro big contract and all yeah. that where do you feel like you're still kind of chipping away and, mm-hmm. and making progress in terms of becoming a better player yeah I would say just like trying to be more of a leader um in the, the O-line room like we got to a lot of adversity this year, just with the injuries and, and things that going on. People have to play different positions. Understatement um, of the century, by right, the way. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's not easy. Um, and then, like personally, just like as an offensive lineman, like even you know the best guy in the league, like I'm sure there's always something that you're working on and trying to fix. Because as an offensive lineman, as you know, it only takes one play that you mess up, um, and everyone knows about it. So it's you're always working um, to perfect um, your craft um, and be a better player. You talk about trying to be more vocal and be a be a leader. How much have you been able to see, observe, and learn from Justin Pugh in that regard since he's mm-hmm. gotten here, bringing a lot of that veteran leadership with him? Yeah, Pugh's been great for us. Um, it was you know breath of fresh air, just you know new energy. Um, I think that we needed, and obviously he has you know tons of experience playing in the league, playing different spots, which he had to do for us, uh, which you know helped us out. But now Pugh's been great. Um, obviously a vet presence that, that we need. So I'm um, glad to have him. Has it also helped you and the unit? You've actually been able to roll out the same offensive line group. I mm-hmm. think it's five straight weeks now. And through the first eight weeks of the season, I think you had a different mm-hmm. group every every week. How much has that contributed, you think, to the offensive linemen making some progress over the course of the year in terms of the overall quality of play from the group? Yeah, it's a ton. Um, when you're playing next to the same guy, you just get camaraderie, like you understand – um, how this guy attacks different blocks, you know, where he's going to be on different, you know, pass, passing off twists, things like that. You just, it's just a feeling that you have that is like almost unspoken. So when you have guys shifting around, it's not easy to overcome. Obviously, we had to do it because of injuries. Um, but whenever you can play, you know, consecutive games with the same group, it's always a great feeling. Uh, you mentioned passing off stunts and twists. A lot of that is, is feel and instinct, right? Mm. Last week, the line has all had some issues with some of those. Yep. How much of that is communication? How much of that is technique with you guys all trying to be on the same mm. level and stuff like that to, to pass those off properly? I think um, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it starts with, obviously, your eyes, just like what you see, and that's what I'm talking about, like where you're seeing it the same way. Because you're playing away like nine times out of ten. You, you get to play in. You're lined up like you have – you know, a split second to make a call, and sure. you don't have to. You don't have time to say, "All right, I got to step right here and do this." It's like we have to see it the same way. So we see that you know there's a a chance that this could be a twist. There's an overload for whatever the case may be, um, and then the technique of it is just executing. Um, you know what we practice, hitting your landmarks and um, your set, um, having the right technique with your hands and, and and passing it off. How much does the noise and loudness of a venue inhibit some of that? Right, you would 
New Orleans last week, mm-hmm. obviously dome, tough yeah. place to play. Philly's going to be different type mm-hmm. of deal, but still not easy, right? right? So how much does that contribute to maybe some of the difficulties any offensive line would yeah. have in a hostile environment? Yeah, I think the first thing is just communication. Like that's what, you know, the whole offense is built off, especially the front five, because we have to all be on the same page. Um, and we do that, you know, by talking. So when it's loud and you can't hear, that makes it difficult. And then obviously the, the snap count, um, it's nonverbal, so you have to be able to key in on the, the tap and the head bob and just make sure everybody's on the same. And, and the rushers know that, too, so they you know, they can you know, pin their ears back a little bit more, um, make sure they're getting off the ball. But uh, I think it starts with just, like, our approach, um, especially when it comes to, like, first down, winning early. Like, when we, when we, when we can run the ball well, um, you know, you're in third and manageable. It's, it's a lot easier as a play caller and it's a lot easier as offensive lineman because they don't know if you're running or passing the ball, but when you're – you know, we, we I think a few times against the Saints, we ran the ball. You know, it's a negative play or it's a, it's a penalty on first down. And now you're second and 12, second and 15. It's obvious that you're passing the ball. So it's, it's two third downs in a row. So they know that. But if that happens, we got to be better at picking that up. But the goal is to stay out of those situations. I want to take attack two parts of that answer. I wasn't even going to go there, but I think it, it's a really good point. How much does game flow? And when I say game flow, I mean – Bad down and distance situation, third mm-hmm. and long. Also, being down a few scores in the fourth quarter, teams right. know you're going to throw. How much does that make it more difficult than you guys and mm-hmm. easier on the defensive front knowing that you're becoming a one-dimensional offense? No, it, it changes the whole game. Like, when you, th- there are some players that you have that are, you know, just outstanding, like better than the rest. But nine times out of ten, most guys, you know, it's a good matchup. Like, they get paid, we get paid. Like, we're all good players. Um, and part of, you know, their job is like they have to read what the play is, diagnose what it is, and that's our advantage as offense. They don't know what play we're running. They don't know what side. They don't know what's happening. They have to react. Obviously, they watch film and try to predict, but they don't know. But once you get, like you said, down a few scores or it's, you know, third and forever, second and forever, it's, it's obvious what we're going to do. So when they know that, I'm not reading the ball. I'm not reading the run. You're just I'm, going, I'm, I'm just right? going, exactly. I'm doing my, my fastball, my best rush move. I'm running games. I'm doing all these different things that I wouldn't do if it was second and two. You know what I'm saying? And that's like a part of the game that we understand, but maybe everybody not, might not understand, but it, it makes their job easier. And it's the vice versa. Like if we're if we're up by a ton and we're on offensive defense, like they're, they're trying to get the ball back, trying to get turnovers, but we can call anything we want because, you know, we're we're up, so and that's that's the advantage. That's the only advantage that the offense has. Yeah, no, hundred yeah. percent. I'm with you. You know, you mentioned the first down. This is the second part I want to touch. You mentioned the first down success last week. Mm-hmm. I, I did the math on it. You guys average one yard per play on mm-hmm. first downs. Right, hard to win when, when you're doing that, right? Right. And I think what I've seen, especially early in games, and please correct me if you disagree with me. Teams are coming in, and I, I can just imagine their def- their defensive meeting room, and they see 26, and mm-hmm. they got highlighters and red sharpies, mm-hmm. and they're circling, they're highlighting it. Do you notice early in games on early downs that the minute it looks like Saquon's touching the ball, everyone's just flowing at him on that defense? No, for sure. Like I'm, we played the Packers last week, and there are a few packages like we're in sub personnel, and they're in like base personnel with five defensive linemen, and we're like. It's like what bare front like, against what, this. Like, what? What are y'all doing? We're like, we know we're not letting twenty six run like that, and they've said that. You know what I'm saying? And that's obviously he's a huge part of our offense. When we can run the ball, I think we're hard to stop. Um, um, and we just got to do a better job of you know creating lanes for him. And like you said, like that's gonna happen. They know that he's you know one of the best players on our offense, and we're gonna try to get the ball to him. So we just gotta one be better at being creative, and and second, you know, just winning your matchup. Like they know, and sometimes it's it's mano y mano. That's that's part of the game. 
Um, so we have to do a better job of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, we get calls on our shows here and the fans ask, well, why aren't they running the ball more early in the game? Mm-hmm. And the point I try to make, and I'd love to get the player perspective on yep. this, is sometimes you have to throw the ball to set up the run, right? Mm-hmm. You have to make them be honest. And, you know, I think you saw that in the second half of that Packer game, right? Mm-hmm. You start doing the read options, right? right. You did the um, the, the wildcat, right? Yep. Where Saquon's handing it off. And mm-hmm. that misdirection. So is that why maybe later in these games you're starting to see Saquon have more success than maybe the beginning? Because you're doing some other things to pass to set up the run and using some misdirection and other things to to try to make them back off of some of those fronts mm. you're talking about um i think it's it's two things like one what you're talking about like um you know just giving the defense different things as far as their eyes so they're seeing you know read option or they're seeing rpos where things look the same things are the same for us but it looks different for them and they don't know what's happening two i would say um it's just part of how the game goes like we always you know preach about it in offensive meetings just like continue to leaning leaning on the defensive line like eventually they'll break and that's like the mindset you want to have is like all right you know a run that we have in the first quarter might only be two but by the fourth quarter maybe that's hitting for eight nine ten because they're you know you start to fatigue um and you're wearing on the guys and that's the mindset you want to have and that's that's how you win football games all right, I want to ask about two players in the line before we get to the Eagles. Mm-hmm. How great has Tyree Phillips been coming mm-hmm. in? You know, it's a real unique story, yeah. right? He's here all offseason. He mm-hmm. leaves, then he comes back. Yeah. He's come in, and I, I, in my opinion, has done a really good yeoman's job yeah. stepping in for Evan. No, Tyree is, first of all, a great person. Um, not many guys will, you know, handle his situation the way he did. Um, but um, he didn't have, you know, any bad blood, any animosity. He just came in, um, and he was prepared when his name was called, and he's doing a great job for us. Um, you know, playing out there on the edge, doing a great job. He's dealt with some injuries too, um, but he's doing a great job for us. What have you said to Evan? You know, people have talked about how your guys' journey is somewhat similar. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. with his injuries this year, mm-hmm. there's another parallel there. What yeah. have you talked to him about trying to fight through the injuries? Yeah. Obviously, you don't want to come back too early either. Then you're right. a shell of yourself. It messes up your technique and everything mm-hmm. goes haywire. Yeah. So what has been your message to him about trying to, because I'm sure he's desperate to get on for the sure. field and help the team and, and, yeah. and play better. What's been like your kind of message to him as he kind of manages through what's been a, an injury-filled second year for him? Yeah, um, people may not like it, but um, I told him, you got to do what's best for you. Um, and that's a tough part about the game because this is a business. Um, people forget that sometimes. And what happens is if you're not you're not all the way 100 or if, if you can't play um, at a serviceable level, um, that film doesn't go away. They see it. So you can say, oh, I was hurt or I felt like this, but that is on tape. Um, and if you're out there, people expect yeah, you to perform, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there is there is a level of you know being able to fight through certain things, but it just depends on what your injury is, and, of course. and only you know that person knows how it feels. Only the doctors know you know what it says on the image. So I told him just do what's what's best for him, um, and then obviously that that would be what's best for the team because if he's not you know at a level where he can help us out, then it doesn't make sense to put him out there and hurt it worse, and he's not getting better. Um, but if he is, then he can come back. Like it just depends on how he. And I told him it's, it's based on how you feel, because only only he knows. What is it like to play in Philadelphia as an offensive lineman? Yeah, not nah, a tough environment. Um, obviously, their fans are very passionate. Um, and then you know just what how good of a team they are. Like it's obviously pressure from that. It's a division rival. Um, they're built up front on both sides of the ball. Um, that's why they've been so successful because they. Um, prioritize the trenches. Um, so, you know, we got a good challenge in front of us. Um, very talented guys. Looking forward to it. I'm sure the fans will be cranky. They've lost three straight. I'm sure mm-hmm. the players aren't happy either. Sure. So they'll be out there ready to play. Yep. But I'm sure at the same time, you guys aren't very happy. They beat you three times last year, yep. right? Mm-hmm. 
in the locker room, fans talk about this. Mm-hmm. This is the whole like quote on I'm using air quotes now for people listening to this. No. The, the whole revenge factor is—is mm-hmm. is that a real thing, or is that something that just fans talk about? You say revenge factor, like you guys lost to them in the playoffs last year three mm-hmm. times. That that's kind of sticking in your craw, and then you guys are thinking about that heading into this game. I mean, I don't think it's um, necessarily like a revenge thing, but it's it's more just pride. Like, like that makes you know, sense. We're we're the Giants. Like, th- this is a historic you know franchise. Um, we want it to be competitive whatever it is like you never want to we were in the playoffs obviously we did well last year but you you never want to get embarrassed like that like how we did like if we plan we're playing in the game we want to be competitive we want to be close you know who knows you know which way it'll go at the end of the day that's just how football is but we always wanted to be competitive um and so that's the the mindset that we have because obviously you know the history shows that they've been dominant you know over the last few years and we're doing you know our job to change that and to your point they build up front right that's where they mm-hmm. want to dominate when you look at that defensive line does that as an offensive line group, mm-hmm. does that get your hackles up where, look, you have a chance to perform national audience on Christmas mm-hmm. Day, everyone's going to be watching mm-hmm. against a group like that? Yep. No, for sure. Um, like I said, they have talent everywhere. Um, great defensive front. No, they play well together. Um, and it's it's tough on the offensive line because they, they get to rotate, um, you know what I'm saying, and there's no drop-off. Some teams you'll play, you know, they'll have their guy, and then when he's out, it's, it's a difference. It's like, oh, Josh what has gone. Oh, right. no, here comes Brandon a, Grant. Right, exactly. So <laughs> you just have to have um, your chin strap buckled that day. Um, yeah. uh, film study, understanding that, because what people don't understand is, like, when different guys come in, that's a totally different rusher. He attacks blocks different, different ways, so you have to – Think about that within you know what your job already is. Um, so it's just doing film study, and obviously we we played them a lot, so we understand you know what they do, sure. and, and vice versa. They understand you know uh, the way we try to attack their defense and stuff like that. It's just about who you know executes the best. I know Reddick's mostly on the other side, but mm-hmm. I'll include him in the question. Mm-hmm. How much? How different? And you kind of brought this up. Yep. Is Sweat to Reddick to mm-hmm. Graham, who are the yep. three major edge guys? You'll and Nolan Smith does a little bit too that that yep. you'll see over the course of the game. Yeah, I think Sweat, um, he's very explosive. Like, he, he can power you. Um, he has good length. Um, he's I think he's a little bit taller than Hassan. They both, they're very fast, but I think Hassan is a little bit quicker laterally. Um, he does a good job, like, changing levels on you. Um, and they, they actually switch a good amount. Like, most of the times they're playing left and right hand, but um, if you watch film, they, they've been switching um, – later in the game just for whatever reason that you know they see maybe just to get a different matchup mm-hmm. but both those guys do a great job you know playing a run um reading pass rush um and then you got brandon graham obviously how does he still do it at that age it's unbelievable no it's crazy <laughs> like i mean that's a long time to be playing football like i'm just in you know year four and i'm feeling tired sometimes but nah he does a great job obviously he brings the juice to their defense um He's a savvy vet, so he can take advantage of, you know, you if you're not using a technique right. Um, he's a heavier guy, so he likes to power um, and then work, you know, different moves off of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they just got a great stable up front. Um, it's going to be a good challenge for us. But like I said, it comes down to what we talked about earlier, just the, the early down success, like being able to run the ball, being able to mix, mix it up, um, keep them on their heels and not getting in, you know, third and long situations all game because that's, you know, that's tough for any offense to overcome going against them. Final two questions. As a team and their pass rush approach, the last two games, the Saints and the Packers, even going into the game, their their stunt and twist rate was top of the league, right? They do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, a little bit different, right? They're yeah. more of a, we're going to try to set you up on one-on-ones, and then they're just going to trust them to, to mm-hmm. kind of beat the man. Mm-hmm. How does that change your guys' approach then? Obviously, um, it's a copycat lead. So, like, when you see stuff on film that a team struggles with, we're sure um, – that you'll see it again next week. So obviously they they run less, but 
um, if they watch the film, I'm sure that they're gonna, you know, run those just to just to check your oil, just to see sure. if you corrected that problem. But like you said, yes, they they don't blitz as much as other teams. They don't twist as much just because they have better players up front. Um, so it's gonna be about one-on-one matchups that I talked about, and you know, we have to execute and do our jobs. All right, final question. Did you see any change? I know you watch multiple games and you prepare for this. Did you mm-hmm. see much of a change going to Matt Patricia from what they were doing with Sean Desai a little bit earlier in the year? Um, the only thing I saw, like, they played a little bit less um, diamond fronts, and he didn't bring as much as pressure um, as before. Um, but, Which to me was a surprise because right. you think it comes from the Patriots. Yeah, they they, sure. they like exactly. the blitz they like, up there. They like to change up. But they do have, you know, similar things with personnel as far as, like, they'll have um, three safeties in the game. So, like, we have to identify, you know, where they at, which way they rotated just for our um, mic points and different sorts um, and different run schemes to just because you can get caught up in, like, who's who, and, and we have to treat them like spots and not necessarily, like, players or, or numbers. Andrew, this is great, man. Yep. Appreciate it. Good no luck problem. on Christmas. Merry yep. Christmas, man. Thank you. Same to you. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? Great stuff from Andrew Thomas there. The Giants Huddle is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. From game day to every day, Citizens is made ready for Giants fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Now let's turn to a preview of the Eagles. Lance Meadow with Zach Berman. The Giants and Eagles renew their rivalry in Philadelphia on Christmas. Philly has won 10 straight against New York in the city of brotherly love. With the Giants' last win there coming in Week 8, 2013, when Chip Kelly was the head coach and Michael Vick the starting quarterback. So it has been quite some time. And to help break down the Eagles, we're now joined by a man who has covered the team for many years and now through his work for PHLY Sports, none other than Zach Berman. Zach, you got Lance Meadow here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well as everything on your end. I'm doing well. It's always good to be on, on Giants.com, as, as as you were saying. I've been to every Eagles-Giants game, and so I'm going through, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. It was that 2013 game. I, I remember that vividly. It's amazing because Matt Barkley actually replaced Michael Vick, Zach, and now Barkley is a backup quarterback on the Giants. So life comes at you fast and full circle, apparently, here in the NFL. Well said. I actually I, I started covering the NFL, covering the Giants. Um, in 2010, 2011. And so, yeah, it does come full circle in that regard. So, Zach, let's start with a big-picture perspective for the Eagles here. Clearly, they're struggling. They've dropped three in a row. The offense has scored less than 20 points in each of these three games. When you look at this recent stretch, what would you say is the bigger liability right now? Has it been the offense, or would you point to the defense especially now that they've made the change at play caller from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia? Uh, I would say the offense. I I mean, the reality is if you just look at it statistically, the defense is, uh, is struggling more this season, right? That's why they made a change in coordinator. Uh, But if you look at these last three games in particular, the offense hasn't scored into the twenties in these last three games. Two weeks ago, uh, they did not have a single off offensive touchdown against Dallas. Last week in, in Seattle, you know, they had 17 points, right? Um, so they're, they're not doing enough offensively. Uh, but if you're looking at the whole season, yeah, the, the defense has underperformed. I think the offense has more talent, but there's a reason why the Eagles made a change in defensive coordinator. 
nine of their 14 games this season, interestingly, have been decided by one score. And Zach, I'm not bringing that up to take anything away from the Eagles, but I think last season, most people labeled this team as a juggernaut, and rightfully yeah. so. This season, though, if you go back to the beginning of the year, it seems as if, not to say they weren't good, but they've been winning by very narrow margins. So how fair is it to say that what's happening right now is not that surprising, given the fact that they have been walking a pretty fine line for the majority of this season? Yeah, that's definitely fair to say. And the reality is they were better last year. They also had a much easier schedule last year, right? I mean, they they faced just an absolute gauntlet here. And I think what they're seeing is is that, you know, it's it's a it's it's a different story when you're not winning by double digit points at halftime, right? Uh so they're in a lot of close games. They the way they're built, the you know, the, the way they're the roster is constructed is to play from ahead, is to pin their ear, you know, and, and that way they have those pass rushers who can pin their ears back. They have the offensive line that they can kind of wear out the clock. And they haven't been doing that as if, you know, they, they've been playing from behind often this year. Uh, you just look at their point differential. It's world's difference than it, than it was a year ago. And they're, they're simply, um, they're, they're not able to play the way they're constructed. And partly that's because they're playing better opponents and partly because they're not, they're turning the ball over more on, on offense and they're not taking over. They're not taking the ball away or getting as many sacks on defense. Yeah, minus six turnover margin. Last season, they were one of the best in the NFL. And that brings us to Jalen Hurts because his numbers are down across the board, Zach. 22 touchdowns, six interceptions a year ago, 19 TDs, 12 interceptions this season. So he's doubled his interceptions. The passer rating, passing yards per game is down as well. I know he's been banged up. He was dealing with the illness entering the Seahawks game. If you had to pin a finger on why there has been a dip, is there one thing in particular, or is this a variety of contributing factors in your mind? Well, turnovers in particular. Now, you say why, that there's a lot of contributing factors there. Ball security has been an issue. Um, you, you know, he's he's fumbled balls that he shouldn't be fumbling, uh, or, or that he wasn't last year, or that he did last year and then they recovered, frankly. Um, and then the interceptions uh, – yeah, he's he, he's putting the ball into harm's way a little bit more. And part of that, frankly, is the defensive structures they're seeing. Eagles want to have explosive plays, right? Their explosive plays are, are down this year. Uh, and, and, and partly because defenses are playing back to kind of prevent these explosive plays, right? You know, they're, they're, they're seeing more, you know, cover four um, and, and, you know, different coverages that are trying to limit those explosive plays. And so when those conditions are there and, you know, he either tries to throw deep or he's just on the field more to throw more passes, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's why you're seeing more turnovers. So there's a lot more you can do that you can kind of like dissect. But I, I think the, the big part of it is they're turning the ball over at a, at a, at a higher rate. That's bringing points down. That's, that's cutting drives early. Uh, and it's, it's giving the opponent better opportunities to score. The rushing numbers also don't necessarily jump off the page since week four they're averaging just under 72 rushing yards per game from their running backs, at least. That doesn't include Jalen Hurts' numbers. And you know from last season, they were a three or maybe even a four-headed monster, given how effectively they ran with the plethora of running backs and Hurts. What is that a product of, in your mind? Why the rushing numbers? Because you would figure, okay, if there's different coverage, Zach, to your point down the field, and they're not getting the explosive plays, that would, you would think, give them more of a reason to want to emphasize the run game. 
under those circumstances. Yeah, I, I think that's that's more product of playing from behind uh, or not playing with these leads. When you look at those rushing numbers last year and you see how many times they were able to kind of just, just wear down defenses late in the game with the running game while they were nursing this big lead. I mean, you just look at the Giants games last year. And, you know, I, I know Giants fans, when they hear Boston Scott's name, it's, it's, it's like he only plays well against the Giants. But if you look at a, a lot of those times that he scores, it's, it's late in games when they're, when they're wearing out the clock, right? So I, 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 think that's a, uh, I think that's a big part of it with the running game. They're, they're not a team that, that comes out and kind of commits to the run early. Um, there's a lot of fans who want them to do that. You know, there's been fans standing outside the team facility holding out a sign saying run the ball, right? Uh, but uh, it, it's it's just they kind of they pass to get the lead and they run to keep the lead. And the the way the game flow has been this year is they've simply been playing from behind far too often that they they've been passing late in games. Well, I think you bring up a great point because game flow obviously indicates what you're going to lean on and what facet of the team perhaps can do the heavy lifting. I know you jokingly, Zach, brought up Boston Scott and you brought up a fair point. You got to look at when he's had his production, but. 59% of his career touchdowns, of course, have come against the Giants. He's had at least one touchdown in each of his nine career games against the Giants, including the playoffs, and he hasn't played much this season. His season high was 13% of the offensive snaps. So I guess what I'm getting at is, have they been resting him for this Christmas matchup? Have they been gearing up to further showcase his skill set? Or do you think it's going to be more business as usual in terms of the Eagles personnel on Monday? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of these phenomenons that uh, I, I don't think they've been resting uh, Boston Scott for the Giants game, but it wouldn't surprise me if even from like a gamesmanship perspective, if, if, if you know, they have a first and goal with the one and they put Boston Scott in there and they give him the ball to just keep that going. You know, I, I say this partly in jest because far be it for me to tell Joe Shane what to do, but like Boston Scott was a free agent. The Giants should have signed him, right? Um, but no, in, in, in all seriousness, I – I uh, I think that you know Boston Scott he's their he's their third running back they use him situationally um, yeah I, I do think he'll play some against the Giants but he's not a big part of the offense and it's it's kind of worked out against the Giants sometimes that you know Miles Sanders has been, has been banged up in a few of these games um, and it's it's or they've played late in the year when the Eagles have kind of sat their starters or things like that that uh, that he's gotten in there. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Boston Scott gets a, a gets a touchdown this week because every time I'm I'm like yeah this this uh, this topic's getting old he still scores. Yeah, it just seems to be the gift that keeps on giving from at least the Eagles' perspective, and it comes at the expense of the Giants, and that's why it's no laughing matter, at least from their side of the equation. In all seriousness, though, whoever is running the football at the end of the day, they get the holes built from this offensive line, which has been one of the best units in recent history, but they're hurting a bit now, Zach. And I want to raise two guys and bring them up to the forefront. Cam Jurgens missed the Seattle game, pectoral injury, and he missed five games earlier this season with a foot injury. And Landon Dickerson, we just found out, underwent thumb surgery. So what's the status? How would you assess whether or not one, both will be in the lineup, out of the lineup come Monday? Yeah, so you know, Cam Jurgens is is back on the practice field, but I but that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll he'll play. I'm I'm curious to see. You know, the Eagles have some in, interior line depth, but it's it, it's it's not. The, I mean, Landon Dickerson is a high level player, so if he's not on the field, and let's say they they go with 
you know, like a, a Tyler Steen or someone like that, um, it, you know, there's a drop off. Just as as there's a drop off when you go from Cam Jurgens to Suo Peta, right? So uh, I I don't, you know, it's still early in the week. The Eagles just started practicing today, um, and so I I don't have a firm answer as far as what they're going to do on the offensive line, but it's it's definitely not the same when you're missing two starters. Now, you know, they, they still have you know two you know future Hall of Famers on that line, and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Right. And then uh, Jordan Mailata is one of the best left tackles in the league. But certainly those those guards would be a big absence, especially in terms of the big Giants personnel, such as a Dexter Lawrence, who comes into play with a variety of those interior offensive linemen for the Eagles. As we're talking with Zach Berman, he covers the Eagles for PHLY Sports. Zach, I want to flip the script over to the defensive side of the ball. And we were discussing this off the top in terms of a new play caller with Matt Patricia replacing Sean Desai. I know it's a small sample size. It was only one game on Monday night. I'm just curious, did anything jump out to you that was different stylistically speaking about this Eagles defense with now Patricia at the controls? Uh, you know, there were some personnel adjustments, right? And, you know, they, they, they mixing things up. They had some three safety looks in there, like a heavy dime formation at times. Um, and you know Patricia will continue to put his own stamp on it, but the reality of it too is is you're you're in December, right? They spent training camp and the season kind of installing a defense. I don't anticipate them looking much different. I, I think maybe some of the calls and some of the situational football might be a little different, but no, I, I mean Patricia. Um, you know, I, I I think if if I'll tell you anything's different, it would be like you know it, it would be some personnel that got. Patrick Johnson in there more, for instance, right? Um, but nothing that like, a Giants fan would look at it and, and say that's a totally different defense than what you might have seen on TV three weeks ago. If there are two facets that jump out to me, Zach, about the Eagles' defense that are a bit of a head-scratcher, it's one, the run defense. They're allowing 145 yards on the ground per game over their last five contests. Weeks one through ten, they were one of the best units in stopping the run. And it's fair to say they've got most of their big boys up front, at least health-wise. And then the worst third down defense in the NFL, teams are converting 48% of the time. I know they've dealt with some injuries at linebacker, and that's why obviously they brought in Shaq Leonard. Is there more than meets the eye here as to why those two areas have been such an Achilles heel for this unit? Well, I think the third down in particular. I mean, that's that's what jumps out. That's the biggest problem. And I would say they're just not getting sacks on on third downs. They're they're near the bottom of the league or at the bottom of the league in third down sacks. Last year they're at the top of the league, and uh, they have really good pass rushers, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, coming around the edge. Those guys haven't been getting home on third down, so you can say rushing cover. Uh, the run defense, I think that's more concentrated to this losing streak. And and you're right, it's 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 not playing well. I think part of that is, you know, you look at like 49ers game, they're playing from behind quite a bit. The Dallas game, they're playing from behind quite a bit. Um, you know, there have been other games in, in there when they've given up, you know, too many rushing yards. Uh, earlier this year, they were a really tough run defense, right? And, you know, there are, um, you know, there's different things you can point to in terms of like, you know, the amount of snaps that their defensive front ha has played. And certainly their, their linebackers are not particularly good. You know, that's, that's always the case. Every year we talk about the Eagles 
I can tell you their linebackers are not particularly good, with the exception of last season when those guys kind of overperformed. Uh, but of those two things you you mentioned, I, I think the stickiest, right? Like like the thing that I'd, I'd be the the most concerned about because I I think it's kind of been consistent throughout the year is that third down defense. And when you're bad situationally, like they they just can't get off the field on third downs, and it's 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 a, a major problem. And I I would obviously I I would throw red zone in there too, right? I mean they're they're 28th in the league in red zone defense. Um, so if if you're if you're not getting off the field on third down and you're allowing touchdowns instead of field goals in the red zone, um, then you're 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 you're, you're going to have more results like what you saw these past three games, and frankly, you're you're probably going to have um, a a coaching change, right? Like that's 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 the long and short of it. I, I think the reason this was changed more than anything else is they've just been really bad situationally. You know, they've been bad on third downs and they've been bad on red zone. And uh, I, I hear what you're saying about the run defense. You know, there's still, I think, seven overall. And I know that you can, you can kind of parse it to the last six games or the last three games. But if I'm like a Giants fan right now and I'm looking at, at, at where this defense is, is weak, I'm saying, man, you know, third downs, they can't get off the field. And red zone, they're giving up touchdowns. Yeah, because you go to Monday night's game, Zach. The one thing that jumped out to me is – they, for the most part, kept Drew Lockett company through the air in check. Then all of a sudden, they go 92 yards for the go-ahead touchdown, and Seattle converted two third downs that were both third and tens. So we're not even talking about Zach. It wasn't gimmies. It wasn't third and manageable. It was third and long. You have the offense exactly where you want to go. And I know DK Metcalf made a great grab on one of them, but has the third down in distance been the troubling aspect from what you've seen, meaning are teams facing too many third and manageables, or that's irrelevant when it comes to not being able to get off the field? Yeah, it's a great question because, I mean, they've been kind of equal opportunity uh, third down offenders, right? I mean, like, yeah. uh, I, I, I say that meaning like third and long has been a big issue for them at different points in the year. But then, you know, they had a game against um, Dallas two weeks ago when their their problem was that Dallas was, was getting into too many third and managements, you know, they're getting into like third and two and third and three, and there wasn't really like a um, the right call for that look. So there's a lot of different ways to look at this, but I just think third downs overall, third and long has been an issue, third and short has been an issue, third and medium has been an issue. Um, third downs have, have just been a major problem for this defense. As far as personnel is concerned, and I know when we were talking about the offensive line, you had mentioned as we're recording this for our audience to understand on Thursday afternoon, Eagles have just started practicing. But Avante Maddox, I know his clock just started to return from IR. Their nickel corner has been on IR since week two. Darius Slay's not on IR, but just underwent knee surgery. Where would you assess the dynamics, at least, Zach, of this secondary? I know James Bradbury struggled Monday night against the Seahawks, the former Giant, health-wise and overall performance-wise, where they're at right now. Yeah, they're mixing and matching there, right? I mean, I mean, Slay, I don't anticipate Slay being back. I don't anticipate Maddox being back. Um, Bradbury is their top guy. He's struggling right now. You know, they, they have some promising young guys. Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks are two rookies. Uh, you know, they have... Uh, Kevin Byard is a vet in, in, in at, at, at safety who they traded for. Uh, Reed Blankenship's giving them real productive play at safety. Sidney Brown, their third-round pick, he's he's kind of coming on a bit here. 
But no, they they're they're missing some key pieces. I mean, Slay and Maddox are two of the most important parts of the secondary, and if they're not out there, that 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 changes much. Zach, before I let you go, I want to circle back to where we started the conversation. Philadelphia has dominated the Giants, regardless of really where the game has been played over the last decade, but specifically as we went over the numbers in Philadelphia. And we've seen a variety of different coaches, different personnel, different coordinators. If you from the Philadelphia side of things can provide your perspective, is it just the fact that the Eagles are a terrible matchup for the Giants? Or is there something else beyond the higher power that deserves to be brought into this conversation as to why the Eagles have dominated the Giants and the Giants can't seem to have any answer in recent history? Because a lot of these games, Zach, I'm not just talking about them winning the Eagles, but also winning by lopsided fashion, in fairness. Yeah, I mean, I would look at it. It's it's a fair question. Um, and honestly, I, I think it's it's probably speaks to kind of what this this past decade's been like uh, for the Giants in that I think in most of these matchups, the Eagles have had the superior quarterback. And I think that that kind of changes much. You know, I, I, I know the Giants had that that one year when they went nine, seven and one um, last year. Right. Uh, and it, that just happened to be a, a year that the Eagles went you know, when they were the best team in, in, in the NFC. Uh, but outside of that, when you think since 2013, I mean, the only year that I can think the Giants had a winning record in there was, was what, 2016? And yeah, they, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was Carson's rookie year. And, and, and like, and, you know, otherwise, you know, there's been games here where Daniel Jones has, has been banged up. Like I remember a Giants game when Jake Fromm's, started right um and there's been uh there's just i i look at it like uh the 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 giants just haven't been able to find that stability at quarterback and i i I know and and you'll know this better than me i mean they were kind of hoping that daniel jones would would be the guy but i just think back to when i was covering the giants in 2010 2011 like the the one thing you can count on was eli manning playing on sundays and uh, and whenever Eli was out there, you had a chance, right? Um, and there's just been too many times during this stretch where the Giants either haven't had the advantage at quarterback, or they've been playing with a backup quarterback. Or I mean, if you look at it this this weekend, like a third string quarterback, right? And so uh, it's it's kind of the one thing that I've seen in you know I've covered the Eagles now for 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 12 years, and uh, having that quarterback changes everything. And, you know, I, I would also add the offensive line in there, right? Like there's been two seasons during my time covering the Eagles when it's really gone bad. And uh, in those years, the offensive line has had so many injuries. So I, I would think that's the reason more than anything else. No, I think you hit it right in the nose. I would agree with your assessment. Playing the trenches has been a huge difference between both of these teams. But you bring up a fair point. It was a great luxury when the Giants had Eli Manning and all of a sudden, in the last few years, they've realized how it's a revolving door at quarterback, and it definitely changes the outlook of the team. He is Zach Berman, covers the Eagles for PHLY Sports. Zach, always great catching up with you. Greatly appreciate the time and the inside, and looking forward to Monday's game on Christmas. My pleasure. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and I'll see you down here. Same to you. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens, so go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? 
Great stuff out of Zach and awesome insight. Giant fans love a winner. It's why they love Citizens. Named a 2022 Best Bank in the U.S. by The Banker. As the official bank of the Giants and sponsor of the huddle, Citizens is made ready for fans of Big Blue. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Now let's turn to the head coach of the NYG, Brian Dable. He talks to the voice of the NYG, Bob Papa. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York football Giants, Brian Dable. Coach, first and foremost, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Same to you. Yeah, the Giants are playing their first ever game on Christmas Day uh, in Philadelphia to take on an Eagles team that's dropped three in a row, but still one of the best teams in the National Football League. And Coach, I want to ask you this because um, Matt Patricia is handling the defensive play calling for Philadelphia now. Um, what kind of things does he bring to the table? And have you noticed any decided differences in what they're doing defensively? Yeah, I think anytime there's a new play caller, there's you know subtle differences. You can only change so much. It's you know well into the season, but Matt, I've had a you know a good relationship with Matt. Uh, dates back a long time ago uh, when he was coming out of Syracuse as a graduate assistant, trying to get in an entry level position at New England, and he's just kind of moved up the ranks. Obviously, done a lot of different things. Been a position coach, been a coordinator, been a head coach. Uh, got a lot of respect for him, his family, um, and he's you know he's a good coach. Well, they got good players, too, on that side of the ball, right? I mean, uh, Hassan Reddick's got 11 sacks on the season. It feels like, you know, every dude on the front is a first-round draft pick <laughs> at some point in their careers. So. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right about that. And when you when you look at them, uh, the versatility that they have and the fact that they can hit you in waves, what kind of problem does that cause an offensive line and, and, and run, trying to run your offense effectively? Yeah, that's where everything starts. So uh, we're going to have to do a good job of – of blocking him, knowing where our help is, um, you know, handling some of the movements or the games. And, um, you know, it's certainly a challenge with the, the players that they have, whether it's Reddick or Sweat or Davis or, you know, the, the mainstays with Cox and Graham. And then you throw in Jalen Carter. And, you know, that's a, it's a formidable front. Um, and you have to play the game the right way so they can't, um, you know, make you one-dimensional. Over the course of your career, you've gone against Kevin Byard, who they picked up during the season. Uh, obviously, wasn't part of the Eagles last year. Um, what kind of problems does he cause a, 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 an opposing offense? Yeah, veteran, veteran safety, uh, very instinctive. Um, he's he's been a good player in this league for a long time, and he is with the Eagles. Coach, we'll go to the other side of the football here as you try to defend this Philadelphia offense that can hit you on a lot of different levels. You know, Jalen Hurts' numbers compared to last year are a little bit down, but he's got 14 rushing touchdowns. That dual threat, the stress that it puts on a defense, what are some of the do's and don'ts that have to happen in this game for you guys to be successful against them? Yeah, well, rush lanes are important. Um, you know, he's very proficient at, you know, turning in one play into the second play during the same play, if that makes sense. Um, he's strong. He's elusive, and, you know, all his stats, and, you know, I, I just say this, he's, he's had over a 75% winning percentage since he's been in high school uh, in every level. So um, he's one hell of a player. Got a lot of respect for him. He's got a lot of weapons. It's a very talented roster, you know, the big three with, with A.J. Brown and, and Smitty, um, you know, and Goddard, just a very, very good group. And then, you know, they added that new running back with Swift, who's been very productive, um, and then, you know, of course, Gainwell is, you know, a little bit of a pass-receiving guy but does some other things. So a very talented group. And then, as always, it starts up with the offensive line. And, you know, none better than Jason Kelsey to be in the middle of it. You know, Coach, when you look at 
uh, Philadelphia when they were really kind of purring during the course of the season. Uh, their inside run game was just devastating teams. Um, do they do anything super complicated up front, or is it sort of mano a mano, and you just have to win? Each guy has to win their individual match. Yeah, no, they do a good job of of fundamentals and, and technique. Coach Stoutland is an outstanding offensive line coach, and you know whether it's single blocks or the, the double teams that they use, and then the back reading it, and there's some zone read element to it with the with the quarterback. Um, you know they do a heck of a job. Coach, I noticed uh, between third and one and third and four, they're at like 75%. Um, obviously, you want to keep them in longer down and distance. How important is it for you really on both sides of the ball to win on first down? Because I know last week, for instance, against New Orleans, there were so many third and longs because of yep. the lack of production on first down uh, to make sure that you win on those early downs. Yeah, it was one of the keys uh, that we didn't get accomplished. That'll be a key this week. Um, you know, you try to play – you know, two-dimensional football, whether you can keep it in a run and pass or play action or RPO, and, you know, it's not all drop-back pass, and they put you at a disadvantage. Um, you know, we're going to have to do a good job on both sides of the ball of, of executing um, on first down. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes as always. Best of luck this afternoon, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Pop. We thank everybody for joining us on this edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Have a great holiday weekend. Merry Christmas to those that are celebrating. We'll be back next week with more episodes on the Giants Huddle Podcast, brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.